So I want to start by telling you a quick story, sort of story, but it's something that all of you would have heard. Um, have you heard of the, the frog in hot water analogy before? <clears throat> okay, most of you. There's this analogy that goes something like this. If you take a frog, now if you part of Peter, is Peter the, the, those are the, the, the tree huggers, animal lovers, uh, who are those people? Anyway, if you part of some animal welfare society, just close your eyes. I did not do this experiment. It's an experiment that I heard was being done. And what they do is they, they take a frog and they put it in a pot of water on a stove. And if you turn up the heat, apparently, so the story goes, I'll speak about the science behind this in a while because I, I went to read up because it just sounds like a strange story. But if you turn up the heat, uh, apparently, the frog stays in the water and it actually dies in the water. It doesn't jump out of the water. It doesn't realize that the water is becoming hot. So it's this gradual thing. And many times you would have heard sermons about this, some of you, and the analogy behind it is that when sin enters our life and it happens gradually, we don't even realize it and it brings death. Now, <clears throat> I went to read up on this experiment and it's really interesting because there's mixed reviews of whether this really happens, whether the frog actually stays in the water or the frog jumps out of the water. And here's, here's what the different studies show. They say that a frog will jump out of the water if you turn up the heat too quickly. It jumps out of the water and realizes. But if you find that magic place where you, you turn up the heat so gradually that the frog doesn't realize that it's, it's heating up, the frog will actually stay in the water and it will actually cook. Now, when it comes to our Christianity, you do know that the devil is out to get you, right? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God for God. But the devil is out to get you, right? Uh, you are out to get yourself in a certain sense as well, because we are such broken humans. But, but the devil is out to get us. And the devil wants us to be like that frog, where he just turns up the heat, he brings things into our lives that will cook us and that we will die spiritually. That is the plan of the devil, right? Now I want to uh, take two analogies quickly and show you uh, something that the devil does and how the devil, if the devil, I don't know if he can get smarter, I don't know. Who votes for yes, the devil can get smarter and, and who thinks, I uh, know he's always been as smart as he is, who thinks he can get smarter? Right, who thinks he's always just been as smart as he is? Right, I'm not sure. Bible doesn't tell us. But anyway, the devil is probably not a stupid, he's probably not stupid, right? But I think he's learned. And, um, and I think he does things a bit differently because he sees the effect. He is out to get us, but he will change his tactic to make sure that he gets us to fall away from the living God. So what I want to speak about tonight, if you wanted to give it a title, it's, it, it was based on a conversation we had a while ago, and um, is are you being cooked by the devil? Is he cooking you? Are you like that frog that he is cooking? Now here's, here's a story out of the New Testament where the devil tried to cook the people of God. If, if the people of God were like a frog, he tried to cook them. But you know what he, he didn't realize is he turned up the pressure too quickly. And because he turned up the heat too quickly, it didn't work. In fact, it worked against him. So, you can turn your Bible with me if you have your Bible or on an app on your phone or you can follow on the screen to Acts 8, verse 3 to 8. <clears throat> I shared this on our uh, group a while ago, the scripture. But Saul, uh, Saul is Paul, he's the same guy. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had him, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. There was much joy in that city. So let me explain this story. Early Christianity, if you became a Christian, it was not a popular thing to do. In fact, you were persecuted as a Christian. You were said that if you stay a Christian, you will die. There was an emperor in that time called Nero. And Nero would literally take Christians and he would dip them in tar 
and he would put them on poles, and at his party, he would light them on fire and use them as basically candles for his party. So if you were a Christian in the early church times, it was a dangerous thing to be a Christian. Agreed? Okay, I don't want to be a candle, right? It was a dangerous thing actually to be a Christian. So what the devil did is he used this guy called Saul, Paul. We know later on Paul's life changed, but he used Paul to actually go and say, I to go and actually try and put Christians in prison. Nero wanted to kill them. Paul, because he was religious, wanted to put Christians in, in prison. So the devil was behind this, you know. We think it was just Paul. No, no, no. The devil works through people. And in this sense, he was working through Paul. He was working through Nero because he wanted to squash the life of the people of God. He wanted to, like that frog, he wanted to cook Christians. The devil doesn't like you. The devil doesn't like Christians. The enemy does. He's called the enemy for a reason because he is our enemy. And he tried, but what he did is he put up the heat too quickly. And as we read here, because he put up the heat too quickly, as Christians were being thrown in prison, they started running from city to city. And because of the, the love of God in them and the passion of God in them, and because they were so committed to God, even to the point of being willing to lose their lives, everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. And we read of one specific instance here where Philip, one of the deacons, it's a good thing to be a deacon, one of the deacons went and planted a church, and later we see as these people scattered, churches were planted. So what did the, the devil do? He thought he was going to bring persecution. He's going to bring tough times, and he brought very tough times for Christians. But out of those tough times, Christians were strong enough to jump out and actually spread the gospel as they went. So the devil learned a lesson. And that's the lesson we see in science. That same devil that tried to kill the life of God back then, thank you, is that water for me? Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Um, so that same devil has the same agenda today. Just like he wanted to kill the life of God and people that time, he wants to do it today. But he's learned a lesson. And in our day and age, what we don't see is Christians being thrown in prison, not yet. Maybe he'll change his tactic later on. He doesn't do it like that. His tactic with us is a gradual eating up. Yeah. It's a gradual working into your life. It's a slowly slipping in of ideas, slowly slipping in of sin, slowly slipping in of compromise, because he knows that if he can do that, you will not jump out of the water and you will be cooked. And that is his strategy, his strange, his strategy. And what he does is he lets the world slowly infiltrate the minds of Christians. There's this guy called Francis Schaeffer. Uh, he was a theologian, but in a certain sense, I think he was like a prophet. He says, he said this many, many years ago. How true is it today? Tell me what the world is saying today. And I tell you what the church will be saying in seven years. Can I say that again? Yeah. He said that, I'm not sure, probably a hundred years ago. He said, tell me what the world says today. And in seven years time, that's what the church will say. See, what happens is the devil knows that he brings an agenda into the world. He brings a certain way of thinking, a mindset into the world. And slowly but surely, he drip feeds that into the minds of Christians. He slowly cooks us to the point that we look exactly like the world. Christians looking like the world. The divorce rates of Christians, similar to that of the world. Christians sleeping around, similar to that of the world. Christians agreeing on what is sin and not sin, aligning their minds with what is in the world. He slowly does it. He brings the way of the world into our mindsets. He's learned. The devil uses, Nordine mentioned this the other day, the devil is using Hollywood to teach us about sex and about sexuality. Hollywood is defining what is right and what is wrong. Slowly but surely, the devil is drip-feeding these things um, into our lives. Slowly but surely. And now today, what's one of the most concerning things for me is that I think to a certain extent, we, we had an elders meeting, a lead elders meeting the other day, and he said, 
Remember, remember this, when the first lockdown came, I don't know if you remember it, that time where we weren't allowed to sing in church, and we, had, we still need to keep our masks on, and we weren't allowed to go to the shops, you weren't allowed outside of your house, uh, some of us did like a 5 or 10 kilometer run around the house, like a thousand times around the house, just to do a little run, you remember that time? I remember the first time they said that we are not allowed to have church, I was shocked to my core. I thought, that is not cool. <laughs> How can we not have church? We've always been able to have church. You can't tell me not to have church. And I had this struggle in my heart where I felt like I was sinning by not going to church. Well, to be brutally honest, firstly, it was when we just planted Stanley's PM and I was dead tired for a week or two and I just wanted to sleep. But after that, it started feeling like I was sinning. <laughs> felt like, God, this isn't right. It isn't right that we're not allowed to meet. And then we started meeting again, and we could do it in groups of 50s, and then we got the second wave. And, and listen, yeah, I agree with what Andrew Seddy, those of you know uh, um, Andrew Seddy and the videos that he's put up, I agree that they, it's, it's effective. I, I understand why we did it. I understand why the government is doing it. I'm not speaking against the decisions that were made. I'm just telling you what happened in my heart. I'm telling you, I, I was like that frog that slowly got cooked. Uh, I just want to explain. Second wave came, and we heard that churches can't meet, and when the previous time, it took me a week or two to start feeling convicted, this time, it was like, oh yeah, the church can't meet, but it's okay, we'll meet at a later stage again. And only a few weeks after that I start feeling like I'm sinning. And the third time, with this third wave, when they said we can't have church, it was not a biggie for me, right? As the pastor. And I know it's to a certain extent, I think God prepared me, and that's, that's it. But I think to a certain extent, the devil was clever. The devil is slowly but surely bringing in ways of thinking into us where church is a non negotiable, sin is a non negotiable, uh, being together with the saints is a non negotiable, the heat is just being slowly but surely being turned up in our society being turned up in our world, and that scares the living daylights out of me. Does it scare you a bit as well? I realized that slowly but surely, I'm losing my conviction. I'm, I'm hoping not, but I can see that danger, losing my conviction for the power of the gospel, for the power of church, for the power of being together. And the devil will do that in different areas of your life. You know, there's this song that you won't know them, Casting Crowns. You know them. Some of you know Casting Crowns. Well, the other day I said I was preaching and I said that one day when I'm big I'll have a Britney Spears mic and no one laughed. And I realized no one knows who Britney Spears is. And I said, no, I'll have a Justin Bieber mic. And suddenly it was like everyone knows who Justin Bieber is. So I know I'm old, right? Um, I, what was I busy saying? See, I am old. What did I say? Oh, Coffee Crowns, anyway. They have this song where they sing that it's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. Falling into sin, falling away from the living God. Mostly it's not like this. Mostly it's a slow fade. And so the Bible teaches us to constantly check our hearts. Are we being cooked? To feel the temperature of the water around us and say, Am I starting to compromise? Is the world coming into my way of thinking? Where am I? Am I still aligned with the Word of God? Are my convictions still aligned with the Word of God? Or am I like that frog that is slowly being um, cooked? We need to do that as Christians. And if we don't do it, it's going to be a slow fade and we're going to fall away from the living God. Listen to this. Um, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Listen to what the Bible teaches us. Because we think, no, I'm a Christian, and I'll stay a Christian till I die, and that is not the truth. I'm going to say it again. Just the fact that you are a Christian now does not mean you will be a Christian till the day that you die. It's not the truth. Remember Peter. Jesus, if everyone forsakes you, never, I will never forsake you. Jesus says, Peter, you will forsake me. There is a tendency in us to be able to fall away from the living God. So this is what the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. Examine yourself, examine the water around you, examine your convictions. 
Look at the Word of God. Look at the things around you. How much of the world is starting to infiltrate your mind? Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That means that you could be out of the faith and think that you are in the faith. It means that you could think that you're a Christian, but actually you've compromised so much. The water around you has cooked you so much that you are not actually a biblical Christian anymore. That's what this, it's not what I'm saying. It's what the scripture says. Test yourself. Or do you not realize this about yourselves? That Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The Bible is saying Jesus is in you, but you need to test yourself. You need to test yourself. Feel the water around you. Make sure. Listen to more warnings out of the Bible. Hebrews 3 verse 12. Take care, brethren, brothers. Okay, we're in a newer church, right? Take care, brothers, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So the Bible is saying, take care, make, realize the devil has an agenda, realize that he's trying to cook you. Take care that you do not have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. One more scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. 3. Yes, listen to that. I, I, it sounds like I was in Bloemfontein. 2 verse 3. <laughs> Let no man, I can't say that word, beguile. Alright. Beguile. <laughs> Let no man beguile you. Uh, in any wise. What translation is this? The American Bible. <laughs> okay. Let, let me read out of my translation. <laughs> Standard Bible. This is the one that Jesus read. Not that. <laughs> no one is to deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy. Now, apostasy just means falling away. The Bible speaks about a falling away of Christians in the end time, and we can think, no man, that will never happen to me. The Bible says it. They will come falling away, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. It's going to come things in this end time where there will be a falling away from the faith. Now I remember as a young Christian, someone told me this, and I thought, no man, these people around me love God, and they will continue to love God. We're not like in those dodgy churches, <laughs> we're, not, uh, we're not those dodgy Christians, we really love God, we're really passionate about God. And what I did is, in the front of my Bible, I went to write down the names of all the people who were at Bible school with me, at Bible school. That's not, it's not like just church, it's people that want to go into full-time ministry. Wrote down all of their names. And slowly but surely over the years, I've lost that Bible, unfortunately. I've had to unfortunately cross out a few of those names. Not a Christian anymore. Not a Christian anymore. Says that a Christian severely compromised. Fallen into homosexuality. Fallen into homosexuality. A few of those. I've had that. Guys. The Bible makes it clear. Test the water around you. Now and then, stand still, ask, am I still where Jesus wants me? Or am I being cooked? Even with this thing that's happening with the church at the moment, it shouldn't be too easy for us. I understand there's wisdom. I understand there's signs that we can't read. There's wisdom in it. But it shouldn't be easy. It should not sit well with us because the Bible says that it shouldn't. I'm going to tell you, give you a, 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 a last story of, of how I think we should approach this. It's one that I've told before. Um, so I, I honestly don't like surfing because the water is cold and I don't like being cold. I have friends that say, they tease me, they say, when you're around Leonard, I'm either angry or I'm cold or I'm tired. It's one of those three. It's, just, <laughs> it's normally one of those three. So I tend to avoid anything like that. But... But it's, at one stage, I went to Glowick Strand, and I went to live there, and I thought, listen, I'm in, I'm in a church that's led by Andrew Seddy, he's a surfer, and the Bible says imitate, so, <laughs> I, so I, need to, I need to be a surfer, so I bought a surfboard, I bought, I got a wetsuit for free, it had a few holes in it, but it was fine, it was free, someone gave me a free leash, and I'm like, I'm not a water guy, that's not me, I love the mountains, don't get me in the water, I don't like it. But I got this surfboard, and now we had to sort of start learning how to surf. 
And what happened was, one of my friends and I, Anas, um, he's in the Mount Australian congregation, Anas and I went for a surf in, in Mount Wals one day. And it was a beautiful day, because if you're in the water there, it's really beautiful. You see Table Mountain, the sun was setting, it was honestly, it's one of those moments that gets stuck in your mind. And we were out, there was a bunch of surfers here, and we just went off to the side a little bit, and we went to sit on the surfboards, and just we just chatted for a while. We thought we're just going to enjoy the sunset, it's so beautiful, and then we'll take a wave out, right? I was okay, by that time I could like go from a foamy to the face a little bit, I was there. I could get off the foamies. So we were, we were sitting there, and we chatted for 5 minutes, 10 minutes, but what we didn't realize is when you sit in the water, there are currents beneath you that you don't even realize are there. And those currents start pulling you either deeper if it's a rip current, or it will pull you to the side. And there's wind, but the wind blows you, and you don't even feel it because you're in the water, you're chatting, you don't realize it, but at one stage, Hannes and I looked at each other, and when the surfers were next to us, suddenly the surfers were way over there, and we were quite deep, pulled into the ocean without realizing it. We were in a rip current. We didn't know it. And our lives were in danger. And we were noobs, right? We didn't know that a rip current, you swim to the side, you don't try and go into the rip current. So for our lives, we started paddling like crazy into this rip current, right? And, and we were scared. I remember looking at others next to me, and his eyes were like this. And both of us were like, just please, Jesus, forgive us of our sins. We love you, God. Please send someone to come and help us. Uh, please, Lord, we're not married yet. Please, Lord, forgive us. We first want to get married. Please, Lord. <laughs> anyway, we were swimming to get to the other side, and our lives were actually in danger because of currents that were pulling us when we weren't even realizing it. But it was dangerous, right? It was dangerous. And so the lesson I learned there is when you go into the water, first thing what you do is you get landmarks. So next time we went in, we said, okay, there's a red house. When we go into the water, we need to check horizontally, are we, are we close to the red house? Or is the water pulling us to the side away from the red house or whatever beacon you put out for yourself? And then depth-wise, if there's something in the water, you just now and then you have a look to see, and are we still close to those people, or are the currents pulling us away? And in your Christianity, exactly like you need to feel the water around you, you need to put a few things in place, checks and balances, questions that you need to ask yourself the whole time to make sure that you are not being pulled away to a place of danger and actually losing your faith. You need to do it. So I want to look at a few of those uh, with you. Questions to ask yourself, how am I doing in this area of my life? And listen, there's a lot of grace. God is a God of grace. Just the fact that you are missing one of those, it doesn't mean that you have fallen away from your faith. It just means that now you need to correct. Now you need to go back after this meeting, or even when we give us a, a time after this meeting to say, Jesus, I just want to pull myself back again. Amen. Am I making sense? Amen. Okay. The first one, there's maybe a few questions that I want to ask you is are you, are you actively dealing with sin in your life? First question, maybe get something out and write this down, please. Get a phone, it's fine, you're allowed to have a phone in church nowadays, things have changed. <laughs> get a phone, it's okay. Don't go on Facebook, God sees you. Right. God will see if you go on Facebook, on Instagram, or what's that thing, that dancey thing, TikTok. <laughs> Don't go on Facebook. Just write these questions down, because I want you to go, and after this meeting, because the church is not just for Sunday, we say it again and again, we're not a Sunday church, we're a Sunday to Sunday church, right? To, that's what we want to be, we want to keep living this thing. Right. So question number one, you need to go ask yourself, and you can write down the scripture reference as well, are you actively dealing with sin in your life? If you don't have a phone, your friend can WhatsApp it to you afterwards, or um, Telegram if you want those conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Second Timothy 2 verse 22. Let me read it to you. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. How beautiful is that? The Bible's command for us is to keep actively working against sin in our lives. All of us will have sin. No one is exempt from sin. 
the fact that you become a Christian, uh, everyone's sin will look different, but sin will come knocking at your door in some shape, form, shape or form. It doesn't matter. But some area of compromise will come knocking at your door. And if you don't think that it's there, you're compromised. Then you better ask God, God, please open my, open my eyes. There is, there is sin. And the Bible says, don't fight it alone. How cool is it that it says, do it along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We fight sin in this context. We bring it into the light. We tell each other in our communities. We share our burden with each other. So question your, your check and balance. It's okay. It's okay. Most Nester, we do stupid things. When we know, it's fine. Um, first question is make sure where are you? How are the towards or how deep are the currents pulling you? Are you actively dealing with sin in your life? Because it will take you down if you don't. Number two, and here's one that I'm going to be brutally honest as your pastor to say I'm struggling at the moment because of those little twins and how busy they keep you and we're not sleeping a lot at the moment. I am sleep deprived. My life is chaotic. I'm struggling with this one. Second one is how are you doing with spending time with God? The Carla and I are trying. She puts up the, the, the Bible app in the morning and listens and listens to, to the Bible online, or what to the, the audio Bible, and then she says two chapters later and she hasn't doesn't have a clue what she just listened to. <laughs> We're just so tired, we're struggling. But it's one thing we we've spoken about it, but like I feel like I need to repent on that one and say, God, I'm trying here and there, but I need to have those sit down times and it's just it is incredibly difficult. And whatever it may be, you might have your circumstances that make it difficult for you. But if you're not spending time with God, you are being pulled away from Him. If you're not drawing nearer to Him, you're being pulled away from Him. If you haven't watched Andrew's video on spending time with God, I want to encourage you, go onto the Josh Chen Facebook or YouTube page, go watch it, it's brilliant. Matthew 4 verse 4. Uh, Jesus, He answered, this is directly to the devil actually, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need those times where we hear the voice of God, whether it be through your Bible or Him speaking into your hearts. I've got five questions. Number three, and then I'm going to end. What's the time? Number three, are you spending time in the Word of God? Are you spending time in the Word of God? See, the, the important thing about that is when you read the Word of God, and not just read it academically or read it to go through a chapter a day or to do it because you tick your box and you've read, read the Word, but to actually get to know God, if you actually do that, then it's supposed to confront you. It's supposed to say, when you read the Bible, you should have those moments where you say, oh shucks, that's not what it's like in my life. And then you should come before God and say, God, thank you that your perfect Word is like a mirror shining on my life, showing me where my mistakes are. It shows me what's stuck in my teeth or what's hanging outside of my nose. It's showing me the sin and the bad things in me so that I can repent. We need to spend time in the Word of God. You need to have time, right? You need to have those times. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 to 17 goes with that. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We need the Word of God. Question number four. How are you, are you devoted to church? Are you dealing with your devotion to church? We spoke about that now. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let me just pause there. Church, if you have a correct understanding of church, then I'm not the only one that needs to stir you up for love and good works. If church functions like it's supposed to function, and we read the scripture, it's supposed to be a people that actually know each other. People that are actually involved in each other's lives so that they can stir each other up to, to good works. So if you come into this church and you want it to be a Sunday church, it's not the church for you. 
We want to be a church where we're a family, where we walk together. And that's not easy, right? You're going to have to give yourself and say, hey, I want to be part of this family, whether you invite me or not, and push yourself in there. Join a community. Ask me for a coffee. Ask some of the other guys for a coffee. Push yourself into this family. Because it's not easy. We're growing. Sometimes we don't know who the visitors are, who the new people are. And, and, and if you're part of this church, you need to look out for the new people. God adds people to family. It's your responsibility with us to draw people in because we want to be a church like this. Not a let the pastor stir you up to love and good works. It's not what it says. We don't call it pastor. It's not what it says. It says we do it. And then it goes on the scripture. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Is it your habit? To not be together. You know, I understand that some people like cycling, some people like going to the mountains. I understand all of those things, but when those things take precedent over coming together as the people of God, there's a problem in your life. Then you are neglecting the coming together of the people of God. You're neglecting to meet together. You're placing other things above it. Am I saying you can never go away for a weekend? No, obviously not. Never go for a cycle? No, obviously not. But man, if we devote it to the, the things of God, to the people of God, we will try and arrange our lives to the best of our ability around those things. Go for a cycle before or after or another day. Come on. But we need to get together, otherwise you are going to start being pulled away. Those currents are going to pull you away. Who feels already encouraged just being here tonight? Okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what it is. That's what this is about. That's why we need it. If you're not here, you are going to be pulled away, whether you want it or not. Um, where was I? But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day growing near, the day meaning the day that Jesus comes, and He's coming. He's coming. Final question. Do you still... How can I phrase this question? I didn't write it down like this in my notes. Are you sharing the love of God with others? Are you sharing the love of God with others? You see, when we are being pulled away from God, whoa, see, sorry, sorry, church. Bumped <laughs> over the water. We could have baptized something. If you are being that's why, yeah, anyway. If you are being pulled away from God and your heart is far from God, then you, you, you don't want to share it with others. It's a good indicator that you are not as close to God as you actually want to be. Thanks for being. I think it will pull in, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sit at our feet, eh? What an example. <laughs> Just kidding, right? Um, but we need to, if, if, if your love for God is, is, is the way it should be, you are going to want to share that with others. What the heart is full of comes out of the mouth. So are you doing it? Are you actually? Thanks, this is an interruption. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Okay, thank you. Last scripture. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and give light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We want to be those type of Christians. So ask yourself those questions. I don't have it exactly this, as I phrased it. I don't know. You can give it to me. WhatsApp it to me as well for the next one. I just wrote key, key words there. But ask yourself those questions because I'm telling you and I'm ending with this. The devil wants to pull you away. But God is for you. He loves you. You don't have to put this up. But listen to this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long, we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquered, conquerors through him 
who loveth you are conquered. Do not let the devil put you away. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our God loves us. He does not want us to fall away. He will never leave you. So make sure you never leave him. Let's stand as we end.
um, to one of those questions if you do not know the Lord. You know, that's, that's actually where it starts. So I'm just going to ask again, um, we're going to hang with this, and all of us will just close our eyes. Um, we don't want to put anyone on the spot right now, so everyone in here can just close their eyes. And, and I just want to put out the net out there, you know, like it, it would be, um, yeah, would it be right, I think, you know, for us to just pass this moment by. If you're in here and you say, Godfrey, I can't deal with any one of these things that Landon has mentioned because um, for starters, I don't even have a relationship with the Lord, you know. So in order for me to deal with these things or to address these issues, you know, I want to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're in here right now, you know, and you know that you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I really truly believe that this is a moment, you know, almost like a hand, you know, that God is just giving and saying, you know, come, you know, come away with me. So if you're in here and, and you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you feel like God, and you know, through the word that Leonard has shared, has been tugging something on your heart, or yes, you know, just been speaking to you right now, I'm just gonna ask you to quickly just slip your hand up um, and then just slip it down so that I can just see you and pray with you. So if you're in here, no one is looking at you. You don't have to feel afraid. You don't have to feel nervous. You know, just slip your hand up. You know, we just send someone to pray with you, and then you can just slip it down again. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Just going to wait for a couple of seconds. Just going to wait for a couple of seconds. There's already a hand that's been lifted up. I really don't want to just, yeah, too quickly go on from this. You know that you know that you know that you know. And right now, when I was busy writing on these questions, I felt the Holy Spirit, because when Leonard was asking the questions, I was saying, are you, as if I'm addressing someone else. And then I felt the Holy Spirit saying, I should change my wording in my notes to am I. You know, and I really truly really believe that for me, I know that it that is significant. And I, I believe that, you know, I have this sense that there's some of us that are standing in here that you know, that you know, that you know, that you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But that for the longest time, you've almost like been riding on, on other people, the fact that your parents are Christian or you grew up Christian. I don't know why I have this sense, but I have a sense, you know, that there, there's, there might be one or two or five, I don't know, of us in here that, that you, you're not saved yet. You know, you're not in a relationship with Jesus because it's been, you've been piggybacking almost on, on other people. So I just want to give a couple of seconds, you know, just to just to throw that out there. If you know that you know that you know that this is you, that God is just awakening something in your heart. No one is looking at you. Just slip your hand up quickly. I'm going to move on. So I'm just going to ask for those of you guys to slip your hands up. Someone is with you right now and they're going to ask your name. Um, and then we'll also just do a quick prayer with you um, as, as, we, as we just end right now. Um, and it's so significant. So with the water spilling up, Nadine came to me right now and said, you know, she wonders even if, if this, what happened right now, the water spilling up. If there isn't, a, you know, we don't want to obviously see something, you know, like behind any so but I really think that is actually significant, Nodi, that she wonders that, you know, with a glass of water being here and just spilling out, you know, like, that is not a sign, you know, of God saying, you know, like, he's spilling out the water, he's spilling the bucket, you know, that bucket that we, that we were busy being cooked in, that water that the enemy has been using to cook us in, now it's slipped, you know, through the blood of Jesus, you know, through what Jesus has done, now it is slipped, we don't have to remain in that water again, we don't have to remain in that bucket again, you know, so I really just want to set up this encouragement, as we go back, repentance means, it means 180, you know, turning away, you know, from whatever it is that we have been cooked in, you know, so as a bucket has been spilled, and we know that through the blood of Jesus that we are free, you know, because the Bible says that in the Son of Man set you free, then you are free indeed, you know, that that is not turn back to these things that Len has, has, has shared, um, yeah, shared about tonight. So I'm just going to end off with prayer, and then we, yeah, we'll end off. So Father, we thank you for your word, but we thank you that your word, Lord God, is sharper than a two-edged sword, Father. Lord, that it's able, Lord God, to pierce through anything, Father, in our lives, God. And we thank you tonight, Father, that you used it, Lord God, to come and pierce our hearts and to come and cut, Father, what needs to be cut, Father. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross, that we can stand here, Lord, as people who are free, not because of what we have done, or not because that we are special, but because of the work of the cross. We thank you, Jesus, that you died in our place, that the, that the death that we were supposed to die, the punishment that we were supposed to take, Lord God, that you took on our behalf, Father, that you took all of our sins away from you, God. 
pray you to give us the strength, Lord God, as we walk up this place, Lord God, not to be cooked anymore, Father, that you Lord, almost like a, a put on a, a flag, Lord God, in the ground to say, from here on, Lord God, and, and, and that I'm not going to continue, Lord God, in whatever it is that the enemy has been using to cook me, Father. So we pray, would you give us strength, would you give us your mercy, would you give us your grace, Father, because without you, God, we cannot do this, God. So peeps, we are, we are finished right now, um, and I believe that there are you know, some peeps that are going to probably go drink a cup of coffee somewhere, or drink, uh, eat ice cream, I almost said drink ice cream, but yeah, you can eat, you can drink that as well. But, uh, but there's a couple of people somewhere, somehow, they'll be gathering at someone's house, or eating ice cream, or eating, or eating a java, or drinking a coffee, so yeah, you 